There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports, whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice with an open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. An elite weekend of football in the great state of Minnesota. Welcome into edition number 127 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning Yes, indeedy, if only in my own mind. The Vikings and Gophers both win this past weekend. The Badgers and Packers both lose. Of course, the Packers at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, how sweet that is and how good does it feel. As we get rolling, my obligatory begging and reminder, please make sure you rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat if you have yet to do so. And please make sure you tell your family and friends all about this fine podcast and thank you to those who are listening in the score north taxi squad feed fun segue there score north taxi squad feed to score north's and purple dailies judd zolgad at jay zolgad on the twitter machine judd thank you as always for fulfilling your contractual duties unbeknownst to you of joining me every couple months on this pod thank you 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 got it roscoe what's going on Big weekend. Yeah, you know, I think I'm like most people, Judd. I'm very ecstatic with how the Vikings game turned out against mm-hmm. the Packers. Cautiously optimistic that there's a lot of good football ahead this fall for the Minnesota Vikings. However, I'm not willing to bury the Packers just yet off of one game in week one. I said on Before We Die, a part of Purple Daily, before the Vikings and Packers game. I think it was okay to have the opinion that the Vikings would beat Green Bay in week one, but also still think that Green Bay will win the division. Until I see a bit more, I'm not going to come off of that opinion just yet. However, that does not mean you can be ecstatic and really happy about the early returns of week one with the Vikings beating the Packers 23-7. to So what excited me about this game was this, and it's very simple. The Vikings, with the coaching change, took a step into playing football 2022. Um, You know, Mike Zimmer, when he came here in 2014, and I know exactly why he was hired. He was hired because the Vikings couldn't play with Rodgers at the time, and Stafford was in Detroit, and, and Cutler was in Chicago, and, you know, Rick Spielman couldn't find his quarterback. And so he said, screw it, I'm going to go get a coach that can stop those guys. And in 2014, you know, before Kirk... Mike did a really good job, um, but by la- by the last two years, it didn't work with Kirk. And quite honestly, I think what Mike was trying to do didn't necessarily work now because the league has gone towards, and I know why, such a heavy emphasis on offense, right? 
And so what was fun about that game and what's fun about the Vikings, and I'm not like, I'm not saying championship, okay? It's not like I'm being like, I think they're going to Super Bowl now. But what was fun about it was it was a modern style of football that was enjoyable to watch. The last two years, in 2021 especially, were pulling teeth. They were pulling teeth. After the scripted plays, the offense could have gone home. And that's not an indictment of a lot of the players. That's an indictment of the scheme. That's an indictment of what the Vikings were trying to do. So what makes me really excited about what I saw on Sunday was I say there's 16 more of these. And if the if the Vikings maintain these schemes, which I'm sure that they will, and most importantly, the health of their top players, it's going to be fun to watch. Last year was no fun. Okay, so one thing you just hit on is the health of the players. And I think we'll tack this in two parts because I do want to talk about that. I still don't think that this team has super great depth. So I think staying healthy is going to be very important. But I think one of the most intriguing things from yesterday is you saw a more traditional 2022 NFL style of offense. Judd, I think you and I are both smart enough to know we didn't even see remotely what we're going to see in weeks two, three, four, five, six. They're going to unveil more here as the season goes on, partially just because they didn't need to unveil everything yesterday because they they dominated the game and it was a comfortable victory, but also just because it, these things have evolutions. The, the full playbook is not going to be ready in week one of year one with a new regime. So we're going to see more as the season goes on. That excites me, but to your point, guys have to stay healthy, and that's that's what still worries me. And then I, we, John, we we should talk about this. Lewis seen is his injury even real, or was that just a made up injury to protect him? No, he got hurt in in the in the San Francisco preseason game. Here, it's not that bad. Now Booth got hurt again, a quad. In, yes, a he quad did injury playing on special teams. And he concerns me not because of this specific injury, but because he seems to be hurt constantly. And from watching Booth in training camp, I can tell you right now, he is close to being able to contribute if he can play. Unfortunately, if you can't stay on the field, you're not going to contribute. But, you know, Roscoe, here's the thing. In this entire league, okay? Injuries across the board are a major problem. It's why guys don't play in exhibition games now, which, by the way, I used to really second-guess and not like, and now I totally get that. Um, And the other thing is, and this is why the Vikings look to be potentially so competitive, is a lot of the league is not very good. There's a lot of marginal. I mean, I've been saying this for years. It's why red zone is the greatest invention of all time, because I can watch uh, scoring plays. I can watch fun plays. If you go, if you pick an arbitrary game, and I'm not talking top teams, pick just an arbitrary game on a Sunday, and it's not the Vikings, and dedicate yourself to that game and see how long you last, because there's a lot of garbage. Now, the good thing about that is it keeps parity, which means close games, which is exciting because when they get late, then it's like, oh, I want to watch this. So the Vikings have an the Vikings have an opportunity here, in my opinion, to um, exploit the weakness of the rest of the league, health provided. That doesn't even mean I have to agree with how they've decided to do things, running it back. But I get where it's coming from, and I am very curious. And that's what my problem was the last two years. 
I lost my curiosity because I said this is hopeless. Sort of like the two 2022 twins, Roscoe. <laughs> it's oh. hopeless. Just go away. Go home. Do do anything but play baseball. It's become a joke. So this is what I like about the Vikings is they are going to, I think, spend the entire season making me say, I'm really curious and I want to watch this game. We'll get to the twins, so don't think that they're getting off easy. I think we'll close with the Minnesota twins. Good. So I'm a believer Boy, I really feel like I say this every podcast. The Vikings can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I just think it's it's more difficult than than it is with most quarterbacks. One, to this point, he's not a rock star quarterback in the NFL, despite what the stats say. That's just my opinion. But you don't typically win Super Bowls with guys that aren't franchise quarterbacks who have been with a team for 10 or 15 years unless it's Tom Brady who's insert Hall of Fame quarterback he had already won six Super Bowls there are exceptions okay Joe Flacco's the exception Trent Dilfer the exception albeit he again had a Hall of Fame literally that one of the best defenses of all time okay so I'm using them as the examples to say that it can happen but it's not super likely but one way that it can happen is to exactly your point, Judd, I don't think there's no reason. I don't. What is the big difference between the one seed and the seven seed? I, I'm not sure that I can tell you that. I think you can make a case for four or five teams in the NFC that they could be the number one seed. And I would put the Vikings in that equation. Okay. Then let's say the Vikings take care of business. Maybe they win two home games and they get to the Super Bowl. I'm not asking you to be better than Buffalo and Kansas City or insert who else might get there, albeit it'll probably be Buffalo or Kansas City. I'm not asking you to be better than them all season. We're only asking you to be better than them for one game that takes four hours. That's how, to me, that's how it happens. So again, I'm not trying to anoint them Super Bowl champions. That's not what I'm saying. I was a fan of tear it down and start over. But but if you're not going to tear it down and start over... You got another one to two year window to make this happen. And this already seems like it could be the year to really try and cash in. So my biggest thing is I want you to be fun to watch. That's my biggest thing. Yep. Make the playoffs. That's awesome. They but were, I want you to be fun. They were fun they were, yesterday. They were 100% fun. And I also loved the fact that Kevin O'Connell, not being a dumb guy and not being a stubborn guy, is smart enough to say there is one guy in this locker room who can change games. And it's not eight, it's not four, it's not 19, it's 18. Justin Jefferson changes games. Justin Jefferson makes defenses, for lack of a better term, pee down their pant leg. And and because like there's this whole thing now about, well, the Packers did a terrible job. Do you think the Packers just said, you know what, screw Jefferson, we're not going to cover him? They they The Vikings, because they were unveiling things, the Packers didn't know exactly what they were going to do had an inherent advantage and used it good for them good for o'connell good for kirk kirk played great but that all being said when you get to the playoffs and you're going to make a playoff run roscoe you know as well as i do it takes a special type of team and it takes a special group of players and it takes players that are hardened and do i have any doubt that justin jefferson could win a super bowl zero doubt he's wired right um, do I think this entire team is? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You put Kirk in huge in huge playoff games, and I'm not talking the Saints game. I'm talking you win the Saints game, now you win again. Now you got to win again to get to the Super Bowl. Can Kirk win th- 
those games. And and by now I'm saying I don't care what breaks down. Joe Burrow got sacked against the Titans, what, eight times in, in the playoff game last year? Nine yep. times? Some some ridiculous amount. And they Joe won. Burrow, and they won. The, but, but the point is Joe Burrow won that game. So I don't want to hear about, well, the offensive line has to, to play well. I'm saying if all hell breaks loose, can Kirk win that game? I have serious doubts and reservations. But all of that being said, to back up, it's week one. They were fun to watch. And the unbearable, uh, the unbearable, what's the word I'm looking for, Paul, that hung over this team a year ago. Abyss. Yeah, and that's a huge, <laughs> and you know what? That's a huge step forward. It's a huge step, and and you get full credit. If you're O'Connell and Quazy and Kirk and everybody else, you get full credit for what you provided, which was a really fun environment and game. John, Kirk is going to get many chances this season to continue to rewrite his narrative. One of those that you alluded to not always winning big games. I don't know how big of a game week two is in the NFL season, but you're going on the road into a hostile environment, one that he knows very well, having spent plenty of time in the NFC East. It's Monday night. It's a night game. It's all those things we know about Kirk Cousins. He has an early chance to really, I I don't know if people are ever going to come back around that have stayed on like the never Kirk side, but as far as how those inside the organization treat him and how his teammates feel about him, he has a good shot here early on to really get things going if the Vikings can go on the road on Monday night and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. If I'm not mistaken, he played a really good game there in 2018 in his first year here. Uh, in the link, I recall a completed pass to Thielen that was an absolute perfect Kirk pass. Uh, that was a deep shot. I think the Vikings, after they obviously got blown out in the NFC Championship game in the 2017 season, won that game in 18. Um, so here's my thing with Kirk. And here's where I think it's it's fair where things have changed and where the expectations are. Um, I will continue to say it, and I think we saw it yesterday. Kevin O'Connell is banking on his brain being able to in, invade Kirk's body and for a guy who was a lousy quarterback but obviously was very smart to make a, a very talented person in Kirk Cousins smart enough to be successful. And you know what? In week one, damn it, it worked. Like Kirk Cousins made the plays he needed to make. He stepped up in the pocket on that 62-yard pass to Jefferson, and that was a beautiful play. It's exactly what we've been asking for Kirk for a a long time. I also think the internal perception of Kirk has changed because O'Connell has empowered him and is so positive, which is a good thing. So, you know, that's where it's going to be week by week by week, especially to your point in the tough environments. It's going to be so interesting to see like on Monday night against the Eagles, how does Kirk handle the environment, which is going to be hostile, which is going to be tough. Like here, everyone's cheering for you. But again, you know what? If this is orchestrated right and done right, Ross, there's a chance it's going to work. It's just that as as you go on, and certainly if and when you get to the playoffs, it gets doubly tough because that's that's a nasty style of football that is, for the most part, not played in the regular season. And when it happens, and there will be some, oftentimes maybe many this year, when they face adversity, how quickly can they get back on track? Because... Yep. More than likely, they'll lose a game you didn't expect them to lose. Or more than likely, Kirk will have one of those games where he plays really bad for three quarters. 
And can they get him in crunch time to play well and still, you know, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat? All that will play out over the next 16, 17 weeks. Can I say something quick, though? Yeah, you go right ahead. So I think the difference with Kirk and O'Connell is this, though. So when Kirk would play bad, or or play bad might be too strong, when he would struggle a little bit, okay? He would look for his bailouts, which were checkdowns and Thielen. It was like, okay, 19's got to be out there. I'm going to complete a pass to him. O'Connell has clearly rewired that to be, you are looking for 18. You are going to look for 18. Um, everybody not named Justin Jefferson on Sunday had three catches or fewer. And, and there will be days that Thielen has a big day, so I'm not dismissing him completely. But what I am saying is if you're struggling a bit and you throw a ball up and 18 goes up and gets it, which more than often or more than not he will do, that's a lot different than a 12-yard pass to Thielen. Well, that's where I think there's going to be changes. Well, and Judd, what made the 2017 Vikings so fun to watch? Yeah, they were playing with a bit of a horseshoe, but what did Case Keenum do? Literally every time he was in trouble, he threw it up to either Diggs or he threw it up to Adam Thielen and just trusted that they would make a play, and more often yep. than not, they did. That was fun. I don't know if that's a great way to play every game because you, know, you don't want to get burnt by the turnover bug, but clearly, at least this year, if you go back to McVay, or last year, if you go back to McVay and O'Connell with what they did with Matt Stafford and what Matt Stafford already did in week one, to a degree, as long as it's the right process, I think they're okay with interceptions and turnovers. I think they'd rather take yes. the shot than not take it at all. I think they don't want stupid passes, but I think that they are more than willing to take some risks. And look, Kirk can, Kirk throws a great ball. He does. That's the thing, too, is Kirk throws a great ball. But the question see, Stafford led the league in picks last year, and I think the question that I still have is this. Can Kirk bring himself to make enough risky passes where where he's where he doesn't fold if he throws a couple of picks. And I just don't know on that yet. But 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 I will give O'Connell credit. I think he has empowered Kirk in a way that he has never been empowered by a, a head coach before. And we only saw step one of seventeen on Sunday, but it was certainly encouraging compared to what we've seen in the past. Proof that Bill Belichick doesn't always get it right, even though he so often does. The Patriots took Kevin O'Connell in the uh, third round third. pick. Kellen Mond. Pick he's number Kellen 94. Mond. Yeah, he was drafted higher than the quarterback he's currently coaching. I Go watched, figure. I watched O'Connell in training camp throw passes. I have no idea how this guy was picked in the third round. <laughs> well, they, maybe they loved that brain and that intellect, which yeah. obviously all these years later seems you to be him. seems to be working out well for him want to tell everybody about my friends at beans coffee company i truly mean that they are my friends they're about more than just providing fresh great tasting coffee beans they're also about convenience what could be easier than fresh roasted delicious coffee showing up on your doorstep without even having to remember to place an order or go pick up some coffee go to coffeebybeans.com that's coffeebybeans.com Sign up for a coffee subscription. Subscriptions, they're easy. They can be set up in one to eight-week intervals. They can be customized by your favorite blend, too. I love the Mikado. Don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That's SPORTSCHAT when you sign up or check out to save 10%. Subscription's not your thing, not a problem at all. You can order by the bag, too. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S., 
with free shipping on all orders of three bags or more. Coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. Judd, is it okay? And I know this is petty. You know me well enough now to know that I can be very petty. Is it okay to be more excited about the Badgers losing to Washington State than it is about anything the Gophers did against the Western Illinois Leathernecks this past Saturday? Absolutely not, and I've said the exact same thing. I am high as can be on the Gophers, and it has nothing to do with beating two inferior opponents. It has everything to do with two teams, the Badgers and Hawkeyes. I have watched every quarter in the first two weeks of Iowa Hawkeye football. <laughs> I've watched um, a lot, too. I've had to cover my eyes. It's awful to watch. But if they're going to stick with Beatrice at QB, and I don't see how they can, but if they do, they're awful. Like, they, they have, I don't care how good your punter and defense is. They cannot move the football, and he is an incompetent quarterback. And the Badgers, uh, Graham Mertz was supposed to be great. I, I remember talking to a friend of mine yes. who, who was a columnist in Madison the year before Mertz got there, and he's like, they got this five-star. It's unbelievable. We're finally going to, you know, the program's finally going to have a great quarterback. Um, and basically, if you stop the run, Wisconsin's dead. So that being said, I have never i don't remember a time as as a sports fan in this state ross where three divisions potentially three divisions were completely (laughs) yours the big 10 west is the gophers and if you're ever going to win it you got to do it now yep you got to cash in the american league central should have been the twins but they've actively screwed that up we're getting there and the vikings if the packers aren't good and look i'm i'm with you i'm not passing judgment yet uh, but there is an off chance that the Vikings are going to be the strongest team in that division. So, like, there's like the sports gods are shining down, are smiling upon this town. Somebody needs to take advantage. I actually think the next two weeks for the Golden Gopher football program will learn a fair amount. The Gophers should beat Colorado fairly easily. It's nice to have a brand name, a brand name at Huntington Bank Stadium. But they're not very good at all. The Gophers have opened up actually as four touchdown favorites to the <laughs> University of Colorado. Welcome back, Mike Sanford, baby. <laughs> Mike Sanford, you were awful. How does anybody like like was he transported from like 1928 football? I don't and get leather it. helmets. How did that guy work here? Kirk Soraka looks like Lombardi. He looks like he's a genius and he got run out of Penn State. Go look at Matt Simon's career since the year he was fired at Western Kentucky. Everything he touches. I'm not joking. This is this is not typical Ross hyperbole or overreaction. Literally everything he has touched for the last half of decade, half a decade or longer. It's terrible. It's brutal. I don't know how he gets work. I honestly don't know. Um I, I could rant on that all day, but I'm not going to do that. What uh, what I want to do, though, is talk about the, the, the two games that I that I was mentioning with Colorado and Michigan mm-hmm. State. If you yep. can take on Colorado, beat them comfortably like I think you should. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't expect the Gophers to go to Michigan State and win a game, Judd. But if they go there and win it or at the very least play really well for four quarters, I'll feel pretty good about their chances to win the West. However... If they go to Michigan State and win, okay, then it's game on, Judd. Then to me, it's kind of got a little bit of a feeling of the, what, 2019 Gophers that won 10 games and went to the Outback Bowl and won it. 
I just, I, I'm not, people, a lot of people are scared of Purdue. I'm not going to be scared of Purdue until I see it here. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm not sure that Jeff Brom's all that great of a coach that could back to haunt, could come back to haunt me. I'd like to see the Gophers finally beat Brett Bielema again. I, I think that that will happen, although I saw Illinois had a mildly nice win over Virginia. And then you got to at least split between Iowa and Wisconsin. And Judd, if the Gophers don't beat Iowa this year, they might not ever beat Iowa under P.J. Fleck. And if they don't beat Iowa this year, Judd, a grown man of what will be 36 at the time, I may actually cry because that that offense is atrociously bad. And even if they leave Petrus to go to Padilla, who did a number on the Gophers last year in Iowa City, I'm yep. not sure it'll make that much of a difference. It might be a little bit too late at that point when they make win. that move. Ross, win both games. Hey, I love that. Here. The Hawkeyes are here. So you've got them here. Win here. If Wisconsin, if Wisconsin is what Wisconsin looks like, and you know, it's early, I get that, but certainly against Washington State on Saturday, you you won at Camp Camp Randall as recently as what? Two years ago. Go win there. I think the pressure on the Gophers, in my opinion, and, and I know a lot of people don't care, but I think that there is pressure. I, I mean, this is their chance. And eventually here in the next couple of years. This conference thing is going to change. It's going to yep. get jumbled up. You're going to add more teams. The ability to go to the Rose Bowl, okay, is going to become probably next to impossible. Very, very tough. But this year, you have that chance. I mean, you can basically I, – I was t- talking to my friend Chip Scoggins, who covers the Gophers very closely as a columnist for the Star Tribune about this. And I said, you know, so what would the protocol be if they go – they get blasted by the Buckeyes in the Big Ten Championship game? And Chip said they will take – the Gophers, because the Rose Bowl is not part of the college championship. Um, the Buckeyes almost certainly then would be going to the college football playoff. So, and because and, I think that they technically could take the second place team in the Big Ten East, but he said there's no way. They would take the Gophers in part because there would be so many people from this state who would go out yes. to Pasadena. Yeah. So all of that being said... I think that should be the expectation. Well, John, Why not? John, the Gophers, if you look at their bowl game history, especially in recent memory, they do travel really well. And it's yes. mainly because most of us want to get the hell out of here in the winter. So, it, so we'll go somewhere new, warm. And I, I, I contend this, too, because when I covered the Packers for the Star Tribune in 03 and 04, Packer fans traveled. It was incredible, okay? And Vikings fans, when I started on the beat in 05, traveled, but it wasn't incredible. It feels now like the Minnesota sports fan, and this is true of the Vikings, true of the Gophers, true of the Wild in certain arenas. They get a lot of fans. And so I really think that 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 has changed, where I think that there is a sports fan in this town of a certain age who is much more willing to get on a plane to go to a game than was the case here for a long, long time. It started to get better at uh, Huntington Bank at the time, TCF Bank Stadium under Jerry Kill. But, Judd, I know you're down at Gopher football games an awful lot. Look, the non-conference isn't always the best barometer. I think it'll actually be a pretty good and lively crowd this upcoming Saturday with what looks to be a decent day. Uh, Dentist's favorite time kickoff at 2.30. But I, I... even go for football, to your point, at home is is rejuvenated. It's on the right day against the right opponent, Judd. It can right. be very fun to be at Huntington Bank Stadium. Yes, and, which is which is why, just quickly, I hate when they play teams like they played Saturday. 
Because yeah. fans don't show up. Because you're right, it's great when that place is filled. Also, if you're going to go that route of playing like a Western Illinois, I know they got burned by it last year, but why are you not playing again like a Bowling Green or a Buffalo? At least, at least play a real FBS opponent. You know, there's no, I don't see any reason to play an FCS team. I also don't see much of a reason to care about the Minnesota Twins the rest of the way. I suppose they could get lucky and the division could come back to them again because it has multiple times already this season. Yep. Uh, but, John, I've been complaining about the team literally all year. Even when they were winning, there were things that I didn't like. Mainly, I'll just I'll summarize them quickly. They take bad at-bats. They lose a runner on the Bates pads literally every game. Awful. They haven't taken their starting pitching seriously, even at the trade deadline, when I think they did about everything right or almost as right as they could. It still doesn't matter when Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer are allowed to go out there every fifth day. Bundy, I can get over. I can be fine with Dylan Bundy as your fifth starter. This Chris Archer thing has been baseball malpractice for five and a half months, and it legitimately upsets me. It's it's a waste of his time. It's a waste of the Twins' time. It's a waste of the organization's time. I would rather see anybody and everybody on your 40-man roster that might be a part of the rotation even two years from now than yep. deal with Chris Archer is literally using everything he has to the point where he is falling over, <laughs> Re- yep. releasing the ball off the mound. He yep. has nothing left and it has cost them multiple times and Judd I know you've talked about this I'll continue to talk about it don't tell me all year about how we don't want to see starting pitchers face the rotation for the third time and then continually back that up by pulling a starter who's at least pitched okay for just the absolute junk of relievers you could possibly find there is There is so much about this season that frustrates me, and I get even more frustrated. It seems like, and Twitter's a small example of how the world operates and what it looks like. But Judd, I still think most people on Twitter are just, they're kind of apathetic. Well, they've had injuries. Big deal. Every team has injuries. You've done nothing. You've done nothing to put your roster in a better shape to overcome those injuries. By the way, you've self-sabotaged yourself with some of these injuries. Right. That's on uh, you. I am um, on Mackie and Judd. It's a waste of a season, Judd. They've wasted a season. I uh, I tur- I deemed this team right now. I basically said that this is that this is egregious. It's disgusting. It's it's it is How can I put this? It is so frustrating to watch a team that is as stupid as this team is. They are despicable. They are a despicable team. They are the 2017 or 16, the Mike Yo Wild, with Rocco playing the role of Mike Yo. It's the same team. And what disgusted me, so if I was on the edge of the cliff, I fell off this weekend, Friday and Saturday against Cleveland. Biggest, huge series. Like you're coming, okay, you played the Yankees, the big bad y- Yankees, who by the way are decimated too. But anyway, you, 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 you know, you won one game. You shouldn't have won, but you won one game and you come home. First place series against Cleveland. Cleveland, a team that in the offseason did nothing to improve themselves. And then at the trade deadline made one mm-hmm. trade and that was with you, sent you Sandy Leone. And yes. this despicable, this despicable group, twice, 
falls down, I believe, seven rip and six rip on two consecutive nights. And then, here's what's disgusting. Then they have the audacity to come back late and say, well, you see, we tried to rally furious rallies too. It's the same crap that Suter and Parisi and that whole group of a despicable hockey team played with to try and tell you, well, you see, we tried to come back. Look at all the problems that we have. The injuries are self-sabotage. Phil and I have talked about this a ton. Uh, you have now traded for three pitchers, three pitchers who you knew or should have known were hurt. Sam Dyson, okay, shame on the Giants. That's their fault. Bleep the Giants, okay, that's fine. Chris Paddock, he has team control. I don't care. Did you really think that your team was going to suck so bad that you took a trade for a team control pitcher who the Mets flunked the physical and, and said because there was a Hosmer Paddock trade done with the Mets in the spring and the Mets pulled out because they saw the medical. And then, and by the way, this is not our job to know this. You get the medical reports firsthand. Tyler Malley was hurt. So this is the third time. And I also, and I don't do this much, but if the Twins don't run a hard audit of their yes. of their Preach. health a doctor, trainer department, they are doing it wrong. You should not have this many guys hurt, especially when your whole thing is rest and relaxation, <laughs> rest and recovery. And yet, and, and too, on Buxton, don't tell me, well, Buxton, it's too, you know what? It is too bad. It's really sad. I feel bad for Byron. But that being said, you actually got more than I expected. So don't, and and I've been telling you for three years, get a major league center fielder, play him some and left and be prepared. If you don't like Celestino and you know, Nick Gordon, what the hell are you doing with him in center? It, but get a major league center fielder, a Kevin Pillar type. I think he was the last guy I said, who's ready to go. So when Byron goes down, you just replace Byron. Um, these are people who are academics. The front office is academics. They're very smart people, analytical people. And I have no problem with analytics. But here's where I draw the line, and here's where the twins have screwed the pooch as far as I'm concerned. Academics don't have a lot of common sense. They they translate things to how things should go. Well, that's great, but this is pro sports, where things don't go as you expect. This is the whole scary thing about crazy a little bit and the stock market. Well, the stock market says this, so I do this. Do you understand sports? Because... That Derek Falvey especially should have somebody running checks and balances on his moves. So when I see a medical report that says Chris Paddock's shoulder is hanging by a thread, I don't say team control. I say, no, Derek, we can't do that. And we especially cannot pay Rogers' salary, which is what they did. So there are so many problems that go so far beyond the scope of injuries. It's not funny. And my biggest complaint is... The only place that has called this out consistently has been basically score north. I think, Judd, not think, no. Thank you for that, by the way. That's pretty much everything I've said, and you said it very succinct and almost as angrily as I, I have been. I remember in April and May saying this team does not score enough runs, and people were saying, well, that's the trend in baseball. I said, yeah, it might be, but they're not scoring enough runs because they take pathetic at-bats, and then they lo- They're uh- dumb. Is it an ex- a dumb team? Is it an exaggeration to say that they lose a runner on the bases every game? It probably no. isn't every game, but it's at least every other game. They lose so many damn okay. players on the base paths, and it makes me so angry. You you pinch yes. hit, you pinch ran a catcher for a catcher who immediately got picked off a of first base. He was looking base. at the scoreboard. I think he was looking at the oh. scoreboard. 
How um, does that they happen? Are, they are one of the stupidest base running teams I have ever witnessed. And wave them home, Tommy Watkins. <laughs> Waving Celestino home should have got him removed from the third base coaching box almost immediately. Put Tony Diaz back there. I didn't like him that much, but he's better than that. He ran Celestino on a ball at Yankee Stadium into shallow right field, which is second base at most ballparks. He ran Celestino, who I think stopped because he's like, oh my God, I'm going to be out by a ton, and by then it's too late. Um, here's another one, too. And and this is the idiotic nature of people that don't understand what they're doing and use flow charts. And, and, and I don't have a problem with that if you, if you have people who know what they're doing. You know what this team never thought about? that they need a first baseman to go in defensively late in games. And I know that seems like a small thing, and I actually think a rise has become pretty good there. But Miranda has physical talent, so he's not a butcher of an athlete. He has as much of a clue of how to play first base as Stella the dog. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one where where Bally's applauded him, and, it was, and Patrick pointed that this out, and Royce was exactly right. That play in the game that they won against the Yankees where Miranda ranged towards second base to try and cut the ball off and then said, oh, my God, I got to get to first because if I'm not mistaken, the pitcher was like, I'm not going to first because the first baseman's got that play. That play can't happen. He's got to get to first base. He's got to know where the second baseman is. Like, this isn't rocket science, right? Miranda's positioning is pathetic, and it's not his fault. He's not a first baseman. This team, though, never thinks of that. They never think, you know what, right now we got to have, and and it's because the lazy old, or the, the lazy new school thought process is first base is easy to play. You really think first base is easy to play? It's Major League Baseball. No position is easy. It's nuanced. I mean, Tom Kelly gave courses in how to play first base. You think it's because he thought it was simple? It's because he cared about the nuance. And I know people are right now like, this is an old guy complaining. No, this is a this is a guy complaining about the fact that there's a complete disconnect in how you play the damn game of baseball. And you can't go too far either way. And they've gone way too far. And with, with analytics and having Rocco do what they say, when's the last time you think Rocco really managed a game? When's the last time, Ross? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how much he does, but that does bring me to my next point. I don't think many people expected the Twins to be a playoff team. I did. I said at the beginning of the year I thought they would make the playoffs. I thought they would be a wild card team, and I thought the White Sox would win the division. Shows how smart I am. Neither one of those teams is probably going to make the playoffs. It's probably going to be the Guardians, who, to your point, aren't even trying to win. Right. But with with all that said, at one point this was a really good Twins team, or at least looked like it was going to be a really good Twins team. Yep. Is anybody going to fall on the sword for how bad this has been? It, it is Fal- Falvey and Levine's back. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be here. They, they've, I think they've done enough to be back. I, I, I think you can also make the case that Rocco should probably be back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to save a little face, they being Falvey and Levine, and maybe moved on from Rocco, or are they just going to do the old, oh, we'll get a new hitting coach, and yep. Pete Mackey's out, we'll have a new pitching coach, and yep. we'll try it again next year. What route do you think they're going to go? Oh, Ralphie, they're they're going to change third base coaches. They have to. Um, the hitting coach, I don't know. Good question, because he just got done with year one. Um, the pitching coach will definitely change. 
It might be internal, but it will definitely change. Pete Mackey, I want um, Phil Mackey at pitching coach. Well, here, here's the and 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 I have brought this up from day one, and Roycey has joined me on this bandwagon, and it's one of the things that nobody answered because everybody bought the story hook, line, and sinker. Your pitching coach does not leave in June for a college job unless something has gone very wrong. I agree with you. West LSU did not say we got to. Their season is done. We'll never know, though. Will We will never know. No, but we should know. Somebody should go to West and say, let's go have 18 drinks, and you can tell me what the hell happened there. Somebody, something happened there. There is no question about it. Zero question about it. I, I mean, Unless they're fired, Ross, bad teams pitching coaches don't just up and quit in June. Um, no, they don't. And that story was so flawed. Well, he had to go recruit. You know, the last time I checked, the pandemic brought something in called Zoom, where young people really like to talk to you through their computer. I mean, if you're recruiting a pitcher, you really think, oh, man, I got to go beat the This is a bull Durham. That, you know, and, and and it drives me crazy. The Twins have gotten away with highway robbery on pulling the wool over the eyes of people in a season that's filled with stories, filled with them. Might not be the 2010 Vikings, but there's a lot of skeletons and closets here, and we get none of them. And we never even got into my prediction that I'm, I'm going to hold on to until I'm told otherwise. I think Carlos Correa is going to opt back in. I think he's going to have to. I yeah, just, well, it's fun. yeah, but but it's funny. He got hot this weekend, and people yeah. were like, "See, Correa's hitting well." Well, you know what? It's a shocker that just as the he gets near the end of a season, that now that now we are getting a guy in the clutch who I think the last time I checked before the weekend was at like one forty-two with two outs and runners in scoring position. Yeah, and the team still won two games in like the last two weeks, so that 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 falls on deaf ears for me. John, you never fall on deaf ears to me. However, I appreciate your help. Thank you for doing this pod again. And I guess we'll talk again real soon. It was good to see you in the flesh today as well. Absolutely. At your stand-up desk. Late September. I love that thing. Late September coming to NBC. Not one, not two, but three of the Law (laughs) & Order franchise. All one episode for the first time ever. Oh, and we'll have to get into at some point Kelly Giddish, Brendel, leaving Law & Order Special Victims Unit. We'll we'll have a, yes. We'll get to that later. Thank you, John. Bye. That's Judd Zolgad from Purple Daily and Score North. Find him on the Twitter machine at Jay Zolgad. That will do it for edition number 127 of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review kindly. I'm Ross Brundle saying thank you so much for listening.